rejection types are disengaging on micro levels constantly. I have a very limited sense of what my personhood is. And I realize, I mean, I'm not really offering anything for you to be a part of in me. It looks contradictory to say that twos, this relational connecting type is actually very disconnected. Mm -hmm. I'm not cutting you off because I'm, I'm having this reaction to something there. It's like, we never even touched each other. Yeah, it's, and it's like a retro amputation. Yes. <laughs> and <laughs> it's hard to... Amputation, that's it, good. The Big Hormone Enneagram. John Lukovic, uh, sexual self-pres, 45 link, 458 trifecta. Hi, I'm David Gray, self-pres, sexual, 9 with 1, 974, trifix. What up, it's Emika, I'm the 8 wing 7, sexual self-pres, with 854 fixes. Hi, I'm Nancy, I am a self-pres, social, 3, wing 4, with a 369 trifix. If you like our podcast, guys, make sure you go like and subscribe on the Apple Podcast app. And if you really like us, you should definitely leave us a review. Because a lot of people, like, you know, ran with, you know, the last episode that we did, or not the last episode, the, the episode that just dropped, The Missing Pieces, on some of the comments I made about you and Nancy missing rejection. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And people were like, well, I cut people out of my life. And I was like, you know what? Like, we need. We've been talking about doing this, but we need a, a, a lot more nuance as to what is happening with rejection because it's not like, oh, I yeah. cut off a relationship, but I need, I mean, that's a part of it. Right. But um, yeah, even just observing myself as a sexual aid and just sort of like, you know, something about the description of sexual aid, you know, sort of like overexertion in terms of trying to capture as much attention or occupy as much attention. I was like, you know what? That's. That's incomplete, in a sense, as to what eight is trying to do, what my own internal experience of what I'm trying to do, or what eights in general seem to be trying to do. Mm -hmm. And it's this sense of like trying to create, find these leverage points that can make a big impact. But to me, it's like, I want to do as little as possible. Mm -hmm. Like for me, it's about like these linchpin positions that can generate a lot with very little input. So partly psychological leverage or something. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, so I, I don't experience myself as, well, you know, typically like in a relationship context, like, uh, you know, I was just reflecting on like this thing of sexual aid wanting to occupy as much attention. I was like, I don't think that's quite fully it. Like the rejection piece is the part that uh, adds a lot more nuance, in my opinion, as to what's going on in the sense that I'm not doing that much, but the whole idea is I want to do as little as possible and have the most effect. And that is sort of like the withholding aspect mm -hmm. of the rejection piece is like, you're not really going to be a part of me or really touch me mm -hmm. because of the leverage and the withholding of rejection types <clears throat> ensures that that separation continues, that they have as much impact as they can have on the object while remaining untouched. And I was like, whoa, that's, that's what rejection is doing. John, mm. <laughs> Emiko was talking about how some attachment types responded to 
the, the conversation about me and Nancy not cutting people off or something. So we're trying to – they were saying they do that, so we wanted to make some further distinctions. That, that, that they as attachment types cut people off? Yeah, right. Uh, or they're saying that, oh, um, I'm an attachment type and I don't have any rejection types in my – you know, I think what we were saying is that if you have a rejection wing or you have a rejection secondary fix, then you might have some elements of, you know, rejection in, in, in the way that you have relational dynamics. And there were some people that commented, like, I don't have any rejection going on and, you know, like rejection are a missing piece, but I don't have any problem cutting people off. And so it just made me think, you know, what is rejection really doing? Uh, and so I just, I've, I've been thinking about this stuff for a while. And so it's like, all right, it's time for us to do a fucking call about rejection. I think it's going to take multiple calls because there's a lot of, there just needs a lot more nuance as to what's going on. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, this is big hormone Enneagram. Uh, we're back and, uh, please buy my book. Uh, I would really appreciate it. Recommend it to people that you're friends with. Um, and write reviews for me, please. Um, I have been doing a study group where we go section by section through my book and it's been really great. Uh, like I give a, like, I, you know, I, I kind of, ex- uh, expound on stuff from the book and there's questions and observations and meditation and breakout groups and things like this. And it, it's, it's, it's fun. And it's only $15 a class, uh, via, via zoom. You can reach me through my website or on Instagram or on Facebook. Is it on your website? Do you have a page for it on your website? I think, I think so. I, <laughs> maybe I would take that as a no. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's probably a no. Uh, I'll go, yeah, I got to go make some links. But, uh, okay, so we got uh, DAA, Dark Arts Academy. Um, like, we typed, who have we typed recently? We typed Marina. Abramovic. Abramovic. That was a really interesting <clears throat> class. And Alan, we're going to. Rickman. Alan Rickman, Andrew Tate. Uh, but I mean, just to circle back to why I give a fuck about Dark Arts Academy is that you don't know the Enneagram unless you're using the Enneagram. In order to use the Enneagram, you need to be able to see and observe with the Enneagram. And it's like these personality types are like languages or like instruments that you have to learn how to hear and you have to learn how to see in order for you to be able to start to see these types as like three-dimensional manifestations and it brings the enneagram to life when you can actually recognize what rejection is or frustration is or what the head center is or what the body center is as it's happening in someone real time and so this understanding is what allows us to be able to use the enneagram um to get insights from the enneagram or even to be able to pinpoint you know what is happening in yourself or somebody else in in terms of being able to make inner work changes is this ability to actually see and hear what the enneagram so that's what we're learning, and we're using these celebrities as uh, learning tools. And if you are someone who wants to get typed, you've been trying to uh, figure out your typed, you can get typed by Enneagrammer. We have discounts for those DAA members, along with other perks. Um, you can get typed all the trifix, instinct stacking, everything that we talk about. You can get all those answers at Enneagrammer.com. I'll also add to the dark arts thing, like, all right, you know, looking at something like, um, you know, Instagram, where you see all that terrible shit, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's like one of the things that a lot of even, you know, so-called professional teachers do is they just like fuck up 
not being able to recognize the energies, the qualities of the types or anything like that, like just mm -hmm. in the world, right? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. yeah, it's a huge, huge problem. So anyway, it's just like, you know, if you, if you take teaching or, uh, you know, guiding people with the Enneagram or making content around the Enneagram, fucking brush up on dark arts because it's like, your shit will probably be inaccurate, you know, yeah. <laughs> otherwise. Yeah, I mean, it's one reason why, for example, there's a, a bunch of teachers that have these panels, mm -hmm. you know, where they'll have so-called right. a bunch of fives. And, they're all nines. You know, that are all nines <laughs> or, or sixes. Or sixes. Yeah, and it's just creating confusion because you've got nines and sixes talking about what it's like to be a five, and that's just going to make more nines and sixes think they're fives. And Yeah, and speaking to that, you know, Josh's What It's Like to Be You podcast, the reason, you know, because it's sort of like doing panels, he's doing one-on-one -on -one interviews. The reason those interviews are so illuminating is that when you actually talk to someone who is accurately typed and who has the ability to articulate their yeah. and go inward and talk about their own type structure, there is so much to learn from that. Mm -hmm. And so these mm -hmm. type panels, if they actually had accurately typed people on those type panels, like you can learn the Enneagram so much when you can observe a type that you can accurately ac recognize as yeah. that type and that person who can articulate how they, um, they function. There's so much to learn from that. But I mean, you're not learning anything from some uh, nine who thinks that they're a five. They're not talking about fiveness. They're not. Right. <laughs> so yeah, well, you know, you can check out, um, I mean, this podcast is so useful because we are talking about from a place of accuracy with the types and you know josh's podcast is also great i mean he's really great at interviewing way he far is. better than all of us combined <laughs> yeah and it's a different learning thing too of like observing and commenting on like some videos versus asking the person through their experience and yes compliment each other but they're different and so right yeah there's a lot of tools out there i mean you know a lot of people fucking hate us but we're collectively whatever these things we're all doing together are like laying out so much fucking info <laughs> you yeah. know we're like it's not even close because i mean we we if i had what people well, we've been producing the last couple of years if i had this at my disposal when i started the enneagram i would be i would be i'd feel so lucky because i mean it was just like yeah. a desert back then yeah. like you're trying to figure things out so yeah. like there's so many avenues for people to learn like we have accurate typings we have interviews we have our podcast we have daa we got john study group like there's just so many if you really give give a shit about the enneagram like this is the best time to be alive and it's all fucking cheap relative yeah. to other shit out totally. there like yeah, yeah we're not yet offering little piece of paper that say you're certified but like and i guarantee you the shit you'll learn from this stuff is so much better than anybody that's certified and also the enneagram is still being revealed and we're doing mm -hmm. some of the revealing mm -hmm. like yeah, we're finding time. things we're finding new things about trifixes and stackings and you know the whole attachment versus hexad and all of that stuff i mean it's cutting edge well what, one thing that made me really happy is just to see like a random person will ask a question in the group that the average baseline knowledge of the average um, active group member just being, you know, taking in, totally. <clears throat> just taking in what, you know, is available, that they're so knowledgeable that they're far more knowledgeable than like the, the average fucking Enneagram teacher that I've met at IEA. Exactly. Like totally. the people's exactly. understanding because of the exposure to really accurate and good information that the average person can help yep. you in our group for free. Yep. You know, and so, DAA is only 19 bucks a month. Like the, the, 
it's a library of so much content to learn from for only $19 a month. I mean, this is an unheard of deal. And so it's like, if you really want to learn the Enneagram, like our group is by far the best. It's not even bragging. It's facts. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed completely. Listen to Josh's podcast. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Josh, Josh Levine. Amazing social type who can actually ask questions and <laughs> that's, get people to, to talk to people. He knows how to speak. He knows how to talk to people. He interviewed the three of us. So, yeah. uh, you know, if you, you can't stop listening to us. <laughs> you need to hear more on your when you're not getting your download of this shit. Uh, you need to be obsessed with us. Yeah. The interesting thing about the format of his interviews is like, maybe I haven't seen an interview with, where it was just someone asking about John or someone asking about me. So it's like a one-to-one sort of like direct, pure hit of that person's whole deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's interesting to watch it from that perspective. It's like, you know, what is it like to actually talk to me one-on-one versus me and a group of people? Oh, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, we're not really. You're not really to talking to me. You're not really talking to me one on one. I'm just blasting on your face. <laughs> <laughs> just ranting for 15 minutes, and then oh, Josh gets asked a question now, and I rant for another 15 minutes. <laughs> uh, anything else, David's Trifix? Oh yeah, Trifix booklet. Yeah, still selling well, and appreciate all the support. And is that it? You talk about Alexandra's astrology shit? Oh, yeah. Alexandra's doing astrology readings. Um, and she is, you know, as you, if you've listened to her at all, you know how deep her Enneagram wisdom is. And she knows the astrology extremely well. She, in the whole fucking world, is the leading authority <laughs> on astrology and Enneagram and how they're there interrelated. And this She's is like the only authority. The only <laughs> authority. Uh, so, you know, somebody else will start being better at some point at like infographics on Instagram and maybe like try to take that little throne, but uh, they'll never have as good as her shit. So yeah. she's doing sessions for minimum 120 bucks an hour, but I'm trying to get her to do more. Um, and there, like astrology is not just telling you this is what you're like. It also talks about like a developmental path and your mm-hmm. Enneagram type it's, there's a relationship to type in your astrology, but your Enneagram type, your relationship to your Enneagram type structure is going to be determine a lot of whether you're able to um, actualize the potential of, of what you're here to do. And astrology, I think, personally, pr- relates to essence. Mm-hmm. And like, I was actually doing in, my, in the, in the um, study group today talking about like, the automatic world and the sensitive world, and it's like you know the do re mi fa sol la si do. Mm-hmm. That's based on the um, ray of creation, and like like do dominus uh, ray is re- regina cole, which is the moon. Mm. Uh, mi is mixtus orbitus, the earth, the mixed world, mm. and then the next world up is f- uh, fatum fate, and mm. in the Gurdjieff scheme, it's called all planets, and it's like the level of your fate or the essence. Uh, is det- is influenced by the pla- like whatever planets represent in this scheme. So anyway, there's hmm. you know there's there's one little nine who's the queen of all that and hit her up on either Instagram angry Enneagram nine or I am Alexandra AA or on her uh, Facebook or something. She channels it all through her curly floof. <laughs> curly floof. 
that goes in all directions into all, all parts directions. Of the universe. It represents all, the universe. Yeah. Every single direction possible. Yeah, it's more like a neural network. That's uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> That's what her her brain actualized in in, in hair manifestation. <laughs> yeah, it's a little dispersed like a nine, but it like collects all the wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's a wisdom gatherer. <laughs> I think, I mean, one thing that maybe you're saying this, but about the rejection thing is that rejection types, what they're rejecting is themselves, right? Yes. Like parts of themselves. And so when it comes to like sexual eight, you know, like it's not just I need to occupy your attention necessarily. It's like I'm cutting off the other parts of me that are not this energy bringer mm -hmm. uh, attraction tool. And so it's kind of like, I like you know, sexual eight can be like somebody is vibing with their their energy there with their, you know like oh I'm really attracted to you Emika you're you know sexual eight I can see your display and whatever mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but as 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 sexual eight it's like I'm I'm like oh okay that's what it is like I'm not realizing I need you to like see my heart or yes. I don't even put my heart forward enough for myself to know I need you to see my heart I'm just like here's the, Here's the energy. Here's the energy. Here's the energy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, it, it's almost like it's it's that energy, that appreciation for that energy, and what it uh, what it accomplishes or the impact that it has might be interpreted as oh I'm as heart as like exactly. oh I True. see your heart and I really appreciate you as a person. When at the end of the day, um, the rejection types are basically ensuring that you never actually do that. You never actually get there because i'm i was you know thinking about um or i watched jesse's video with josh living jesse's a uh, social five mm -hmm. who got interviewed by josh really illuminating and we attribute so much of the withholding because that's the fixation of five uh to five and i realized all the rejection types are doing mm -hmm. the same thing it's just, it's more amplified because, you know, five is saying, I'm not a person at all. Like, you're not even going to be able to touch me. You're, you can only approximate, approximately connect to, to me through the symbol or this abstraction, but you, there's no me to connect to. And I realized, you know, two and eight are doing like, I'm only half a person. I'm ensuring that you never feel like you're a part of me. Like that, that's the eight, you know, you never, and two is also doing a version of that too. Well, I was uh, in Seattle with my, you know, my family with Alexandra and stuff, and my mom's too, and observing her, it was like, uh, with rejection types in general, when they don't do some work on themselves, and I, I mean, this is true for everybody, but I think there's something particular about the rejection thing, because they can seem like one note or one dimensional, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it's like, it, like, things cannot go outside of mm -hmm, the, yeah. like, Outside of the zone where they feel that they can, this one um, thrust, right? Kind of, <laughs> one thrust. There's just yeah. There's there's one, one thrust, yeah. and it's through their dominant center. Yeah, yeah. And so it's like, uh, you know, two. It's like sometimes how things would always come back, or like not be able to go outside the bounds of a certain uh, offering kind of mm -hmm. dynamic. Yeah. And it was sort of like, I remember thinking like man can't my mom just like be a person for a minute you know? right. <laughs> yeah it was just always this thing and like the leverage thing in two is like there's always this like i'm the one helping you and you know it's always yeah. like a, a little step above well yeah i i, I want to point out that 
you know, we people rag on twos quite a bit. And, you know, as much as twos try to be loving and insert themselves in people's lives, a lot twos end up alienating a lot of people. Why is that happening? It's because the rejection thing is that in order for me to exist with you, I have to find I have to find a leverage point, something that you need from me. Mm-hmm. And it's completely discounting that you might have in any sort of like, it's not a two-way street. It's just a one-way dynamic. And so that creates a sort of like, with, you know, people don't realize how much twos are so interpersonal and they, they really want to, but their, their whole personality is invested in, in finding a way into you in a way that mm-hmm. they, they can help you. And all the three rejection types in their own way are doing their own version of, I need to be indispensable. Otherwise, there, right. this, there is no, there is no dynamic. So what happens when there is no indispensable one-way dynamic? There is nothing. Right. And so that's, right. And yeah. so what I'm trying to convey is that it's not this extreme, oh, this thing didn't work out. I'm going to cut off this connection. Rejection types are disengaging on micro levels constantly. Yeah. Like, like maybe... I relate to you on this level and there's no, you know, satisfactory d- dynamic that exists there. That part's gone. And I want to explain how reflexive it is. It feels like the part of me that was connected to this thing or might need this thing or might be affected by this thing is gone. It's like I forgot it. It's a literal forgetfulness of a part of me that could be affected or touched. And so as if the connection wasn't ever there in the first It was place. never there in the first place. And it's hard to explain that with words, but um, I've been just reflecting on, like, I live currently with, live with my sister. And I, I would assume that we are probably the closest to my family, but my family's a rejection-heavy family. And so there's this sense of separateness that I've I just taken for granted. But, like, you got two eights living together, and you might assume that we would interact and do things together or whatever. But it's as, it's as if I was still in another state, <laughs> which, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and part of that is just like, you know, it's just double independence with the eight. And I was just realizing, oh, this is what, this is what happens when the eight personality just runs unchecked or any rejection type is that there are all these micro disengagements that's been happening in, term, in terms of like, oh, we plan to go do something. And all of a sudden she just drops it or there was something that we uh shared or it's like she said we wanted to do together and all of a sudden it's like this just complete erasing of whatever communal thing that was there and it's happening on such a micro level that what it does over time is that it just isolates the person in that i don't have a there's nothing there's no mutualness between us there's no interdependentness and i was just observing that i was like oh this i mean i'm doing that too been in relationships, I got some feedback where I was told that I'm not a part of you. And I realized, I mean, I'm not really offering anything for you to be a part of in me. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, um, you know, where that comes out, that part of you to, I don't know how you put it, like the part of you to be part of you mm-hmm. um, is your heart center. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's like, I think all three types are, are sort of doing that is, you know, like basically like, uh, I was in an exchange with somebody who was, you know, talking about fives and their passion of avarice, which means they have no energy and they're low energy. They were describing a nine, you know, and Mm -hmm. arguing that it was five (laughs) and it's like, you know, fives are exhasting. Like, yeah, yeah, they get drained (laughs) easily. 
Sorry? It's high strong. It's you know super I mean? high strong. Taut energy. Yeah. Yeah, we were in we were in uh Seattle and we hung out with Lee, you know? Um Oh yeah. Remember, oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, I do. And she's great. And uh like, you know, we used to hang out when I was in college and uh would sleep on her floor and stuff. And, you know, like I mean it was great and but it's like Oh yeah, like fives are intense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, I like you know, I have a five client, and my dad's a five, stuff like this, and it's like, you know, I I've gone back and forth with if my dad's a nine or a five a lot, and then being in uh, a family situation for a week where my sister's got her nine boyfriend and I've got my nine and the girl, <laughs> and right. like realizing like my dad never sits still. <laughs> and it's very like what's going on what's happening like right, it's right. not it's not low energy Five it's is not and, and it like brought back all the like you know i have a kind of a view of my dad being chill now because i don't live there anymore but he's got a nine fix but um mm-hmm. god that was the thing growing up is like i i never felt i could like relax mm-hmm. it was just this like oh gotta move something out in the yard he like he loves uh, yeah the yard, you know gotta do this gotta do blah, blah, blah. you know it's like and it, it'd be like all of a sudden really abrupt, like, John, time to wake up. You have to do this thing. You know, and she's like, ah. my little introverted nervous system was like, I can't. Ah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, like, I remember watching uh, Jess's interview and Josh, you know, he's it's interesting to watch Josh get affected by the personality structure of the person he's interviewing and where it's placed because you get sucked into their world. And mm. Jess, Jesse's world is very much very intellectual like you get the sense that of a, a brain that's completely disconnected from everything else and it's really high strong like and so you totally. it, it, like five energy feels like this is a pure stream of head center yeah no no it's doubt so it's a head center you know i'm i haven't i haven't watched any of the uh we we're talking about josh's podcast what's it called what it's like to be you yeah no. yeah josh anyway everybody should watch those um or listen to him or whatever. But uh, yeah, like Alexander was listening to Jesse's. And we love Jesse. Mm-hmm. But uh, like Alexandra, I'll stay at my like desk and just sit here. She like goes around the house and does, th- or the apartment does things. And she was like, Jesse, so she have to turn Jesse's off sometimes because it would yeah. be overwhelming for her. <laughs> you know, overwhelming. Like, Mental yeah. energy. It's a lot. <laughs> you know, poor little nine just like, Jesse went, you know. And it's like these little like, you know, with the five mental energy, it's like these inner caves of intellectual, uh, uh, like intellectual caves Pouring like, into you. Yeah, yeah. Totally. So it, it's intense in the sense that it's not like outward exploratory, like a seven might be, or even six pinging from right. like thing totally. to thing. It's very much like drilling down, and it just feels like really intense mental energy. It's a lot to you know just withstand for like a long time. I used to play a video game uh, called Turok. <laughs> and uh, it was this whole, it was really dumb, but there was this weapon called the Cerebral Boar, where it would <laughs> shoot fine. on an enemy, and it would, like, you know, just revelate having this, like, drill through its head, and would, like, shoot out brain fluid, and then just, like, explode or something, you know, whatever. But that, that term, Cerebral Boar, uh, is very five, you know, just like this. Yeah. It's like just, you know, the, the rejection types, the thing to offer you is like a, is like a penetration. It's like a yeah, hooking in. Yeah, you know, uh, David, you had that thing, or you talked yes. about like the two overlap with sexual social. That was pretty good. Oh yeah. Um, what did I say? I don't remember it now. <laughs> <laughs> You're on oh, your yeah, schema. Yeah. yeah. 
What did I say? Um, that that five and eight are over, like five yeah, and eight yeah. overlap <laughs> with the two self-preservation stackings. So that kind of makes sense that there's a clear wall with five and eight. Five overlaps with SPSX and eight overlaps with SPSO. And two is their version of it is penetrating it two overlaps with sexual social in the schema and so two is penetrating others with the backup so to speak of social uh which is you know the social good right i'm penetrating mm-hmm. you for your own good yeah it's disregarding self-pres so it's self-pres last it's disregarding that there are boundaries in a way. Yeah. Yes. Right. And so that's that's the way that it's kind of self pres blind. Mm-hmm. So. And and we've been, you know, in DAA, sign up for DAA at anygrammar.com, we've been having a lot of discussions about, you know, fleshing out some of these stackings and sexual socials, an interesting one, uh, that it's impersonal penetration. And mm. that's a good way to sort of uh describe what two is doing as a rejection type is that it's trying to get the that heart leverage and twos get in trouble because they like what makes them not attachment types is that the two has their box of or bag of mm-hmm. what they might care for you with yep. and what happens is that they once they decide that what i have is what you need yeah. even though that might not be the case and so that's like um, it, you know, sexual social can do this thing with like the sexual instinct uh, backed by social is like this really idealistic sort of love bump <clears throat> where I'm penetrating you and it's the, the attraction is this is elevated, you know, with the social to become this like really idealistic symbol of uh, a mating dance. And uh, I, I guess, yeah, I guess I was seeing that it can feel impersonal because of the social instinct where it's like it's less about like sexual self-pres making it about like just me and you but it's like the love now becomes uh like a a more of a symbolic thing and impersonal makes sense here because as we're saying the two has their own set of tools just like a few things and they're (laughs) going to use those and it doesn't it's not related to you almost yeah 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 the other I thing think, this is making me think of, though, too, something we brought up before is uh, the psychic structures thing oh, with yeah, Riso yeah. Hudson, which is one of the great uh, Riso, I don't know, discoveries or teachings or whatever. It, and it's these drawings that somewhat give you a sense of the engine, if you will, of each of the types and how mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and sort of almost the physics of what's going on. Uh, uh, and the different layers of the personality and unconscious and all that stuff. And if you look at the drawings for the psychic structures for two, five, and eight, it's this thrust energy through the center, oh. like like a thick <laughs> phallus coming <laughs> up from the unconscious. You yeah, know what they, I mean? It's just it's fully gathered rid- and just force they illustrated with a big red arrow that's like when they're doing the rejection types you start with a big red arrow of energy yeah rejection types are dicks that's it (laughs) well that's it you know so i wanted to get related to that i just finished listening to the pod you recorded when i was in seattle 
Okay. Mm-hmm. And I think y'all made some comment or joke about, um, you know, the way that like we did like a uh, hashtag not all twos or whatever, <laughs> and then mm-hmm. one of those uh, one of those guests was a delightful angel that we'd like to have back on. Yes. And the other one was not. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, uh, I would like Alex Giroux to come back, though. I think yeah, yeah, yeah. She's uh, she'd great. be really good to talk about because she talked with about her experience in the offering space because, like, mm-hmm. I find her just so, uh, like, just, you know, like, like we're talking about, like, sort of this impersonal quality. Mm-hmm. And maybe she's just really good at hiding it, but I, you know, I find her very personal and very easy, and and I don't find her playing agenda games, you know, things like that. But it's interesting. Uh, two minus social, which is yes. her deal. Mm-hmm. That's a significant That's a big one. factor there. But what is getting it though is that like rejection is very penetrating. But I think people like when it comes to intellectual penetration, like five. It's kind of like you can go away and yeah, yeah. you just, just, you know, turn them off or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then and, and the five also does not want to be around you that much either. And then with eight, <laughs> it's like sometimes there's some eights that you just like cannot shut out or go away from. <laughs> uh, but you can kind of be like, fuck off, you know, like you, there's, a, there's a physical... You know, it's a, it's it's body energy penetration. So it's like you can kind of put up a you can put up a boundary, or you just like leave, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But then the heart center penetration is different because, you know, I I like when we love somebody, we say they're in our heart, and mm-hmm. so like heart center has this sticky, being touched quality. Yeah. And so I think why people can have a like why we can dunk on twos or whatever, people can be like, oh, twos are this. Like I think Nancy was like, oh, I don't like two men or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there is a way in that twos have to, uh, it's, it's not like twos suck or something, but it's just that heart center penetration is really, uh, it's a different quality, you know? It's, it's, it's kind of, one way to say it is it's liquid. And so someone is stirring into your waters. And so yeah. you can't separate out the waters again. Mm-hmm. And you were just yes. describing an easy pullback, so to speak, you know, with five and eight, relatively speaking. But with right. two, once you've stirred waters, that's a, you can't, it's harder to retract from that. And that should be said for all the heart types as, as a heart last. Uh, we did that episode, Heart is an Ocean. And what really inspired that was, yeah. was me just being alarmed at how, much, <laughs> at how much heart fucking emotional upheaval a certain heart type could generate. Um, yeah. And I, you know, we did uh, the Tinder Swindler. Uh, so to see the three version of, you know, how a three can whip up a lot of heart energy. And so when you get a rejection heart stance, so you get this penetrating energy with, you know, with that heart emotional fucking, you know, that whole deal. That's, that's some really, at least it feels that way to me. It's like, that's a really vulnerable space to be playing around in, or just, yeah. you know, to mm-hmm. be operating in. So when it yeah. feels like something's off, and I think a lot of people, I mean, we've mentioned that people don't understand heart types because there's not a, a, lot, a lot of frame reference for heart types. I think that's why a lot of twos end up um, provoking a lot of people and pissing people off because it's like, this is really penetrating energy in the heart in the space that people aren't really comfortable with. I mean, it's like continuing the metaphor of the heart. I mean, they're at your life blood. Mm-hmm. They're at your mm-hmm. pulse. You know what I mean? And that's what it often feels like with twos, especially 
it's like twos are sort of almost wanting to have <clears throat> their hands around your heart and they're pumping it or something. <laughs> yeah. It's that feeling. Yeah. yeah. So, so like for twos listening that are cringing or hating us or whatever, <laughs> I think what's really important, I mean, this is true for all rejection types, but I think for two, they might have the most motivation to put this particular piece into action. Mm-hmm. But it's like, uh, take note if you have relationships where it's either not about exchange, it's just about like appreciation and mutual enjoyment, or it's like, you know, if you're if the if the playing field, so to speak, is even, if you're not just like, uh, you know, fixing the wings of broken wings of birds right. or something, you know, mm-hmm. like if there's a way that you're in a place of continual receiving as much as you're giving, like that's a red flag, just not as a self judgment thing, but just like twos need to be aware. Like, am I kind of the one holding the cards in all these dynamics, or am I the one giving an offering? If I'm not in a place of receiving without going like, oh, I th- thank you so much. You know, like, don't make a show of your gratitude either, mm-hmm. or you're, like, trying to, like, pay it back with this display of gratitude. It's just, like, just let it be a natural flow. And it, that's, like, that's where, like, two drops into, like, entering, like, the body zone. You know, they just become part of, like, the flow of things instead of this, like, undulating heart uh like neutron star mm-hmm. well one thing that just to address the sort of uh confusion that people were having like a lot of self-press types have uh an ethos of independence i don't want to depend on anybody i want to be mm-hmm. my own mm-hmm. sort of self-contained uh survival machine and so some people listening to this might re- relate to a lot of the rejection type like stuff rejection, yeah. sounds like rejection so i was just wondering if you could we could throw that around a little bit to sort of make the distinction between the self-pres sort of independence instinctual independence versus what rejection types are doing which to me is more like saying rejection is more like i'm trying to maintain an untouchableness in different ways like five is completely not here two is is only offering um the nurturing function and eight is only offering the protecting and so you're only getting half a person so the idea of closeness the idea that you would even see me or appreciate me outside of what i'm bringing is a completely foreign concept so i'm trying to make a distinction between that and self-press well for somebody confused about it like you have to look at the centers because what the rejection types are doing is over-identifying with the giving or offering or <laughs> expelling one center. Mm-hmm. Self-pres autonomy is like, I can meet life as it comes up. I can have the skills and independence and just like Resources. roundedness. Sorry? Resources. Resources, and I can like recognize myself as a body like you know self-pressed mm-hmm. blinds don't see themselves as a body in time and space uh so like i like i just i can handle myself mm-hmm. whereas the rejection thing is not so much about handling myself right it's like it is about contact and th- the lack of contact but also what i produce that makes me a person mm-hmm. i think the concept of love or togetherness is like, you know, in the sense of like someone who truly loves you without expecting anything in return. So much of the rejection 
deal is like everything's a negotiation. Everything, everything is a negotiation. Mm. If I'm being approached by someone, it's like, well, you want something. And, you know, I'm only going to engage with you if I want something from you. And we're going to negotiate. And it's either a good deal or, you know, it's a good deal or a, a deal that you can't refuse. That's from the eight perspective. It's like if it's just not an, an indispensable deal that you can't say no to, then why am I even here? Like it has to have that much impact. Otherwise, there's nothing going on here. So um, I just realized that growing up that the sense of togetherness is not, if you have a family full of a lot of rejection types, that's really not going to feel like a family. And that's, that's what I've recognized what my family is. I've got an eight dad, a type two mom, and there's two other eights in the family. So the family culture is this sort of like, it's assumed separateness. And I, I want to just like unpack how uh, subtle and pervasive that is. In the sense that, like, for example, my dad has an English name. I don't know what it is. Wow. <laughs> there you and, go. and my dad, you know, his, you know, generation of men fought in uh, the Nigerian Civil War, the Biafran War, back in the, I don't know, is it the 50s or 60s? And uh, so he was a teenager when he had that experience. Now you'd be thinking, oh, that's really interesting. Surely you've been, you've had some conversations about this since your childhood have no fucking idea. I don't know who he is. Right. I have the, no... This Go reminded ahead. me of uh, the sexual eight that I've brought up a few yeah. times. She was triple rejected, 8-5-2. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And even telling somebody her first name was like a huge deal. <laughs> like, like she didn't want anybody to know her name anywhere online. At, to be even, all. like, no. you know, now Nines, we're revealing it to the world. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, Nines talk about, you know, not wanting to be perceived. Uh, like there's an attachment oh, yeah. type thing of not really wanting to be located. And the, the rejection thing is not wanting to be touched. And so right. to, the, to the point where yeah. his own son or children don't even know him. Yeah. So... Like a year ago, my dad called me and said that I should come over to the house. Uh, and I'm, I'm like, he just asked me to come over that we should talk. And I'm like, we don't talk. So I, I went to the house and we were sitting down in his room and he said, I feel like, you know, I, I should tell you about myself. And I'm like, what? And so he f proceeded for the next two to three hours, basically give me his entire history of his childhood. Yeah. Like, I wish I could have recorded it because it was like, it's like I got the full download of who my dad was at 38 and he's 72. Wow. So he told me what it was like to fight in the, in the uh, Civil War, told me what it was like to grow up as a kid, just all these different things that it's like, oh, this is him as a person finally being revealed to me after I've become a full adult. So like, there's this way that both my parents, even my mom is a two, it's like, I don't really know you. There's no real sense of connection. And me as a rejection type, it's like, yeah, that makes sense. This is just how people relate right. to each other. <laughs> right. Yeah. So the idea that someone could love me, like actually see me is such a like, uh, uh, besides what I bring, because yeah. my entire family uh -huh, is just like, uh -huh. you know, these negotiations that we're all making to, to exist and to, to care about each other. It's like, I'm only an object to these people in terms of how much I align with their view on how the world is. So there's like, there's complete, you know, there's no sense of togetherness whatsoever. So, you know, the idea that someone could actually genuinely see me and love me and appreciate me for who I am, not, not what I bring to the table, that's a very difficult one for me to accept. That's super interesting because, uh, yeah, you know, like this is the second like family trip Alexander's been on. 
and her as a triple attachment social type watching the dynamics in my family, which is my parents are both self-pro-social rejection types. And then every, like my, I have three siblings, one's a three, the other two are sixes. So there's like three attachment types and there's the, I'm the one frustration type. And so like one of the ways Alexander described it was like, there's so much separation in my family just like all the <laughs> attachment types because yeah. the attachment types attached to the separation. That's right. Mm, and yes. my baby yeah. sister who listens to this pod, I guess, which is terrifying because yeah, <laughs> for all kinds of reasons. <laughs> Shout out to Lulu. Uh, look up Lucy Lukovich on Instagram. Her art is incredible. But yeah, like, uh, you know, Lulu is like, she is very, keeps involved with my parents a lot. And I, she's kind of the glue of my whole family. She's the mm. youngest. But uh yeah, like, you know, some, you, you know, you, you, you two both know some of my, like, issues and jealousies and stuff like this. And, uh, you know, I have uh, rejection fixes, but uh, being this attachment, t- or not, I mean, being a frustration type, it was like, separation was, like, so normal and so ubiquitous, and, but I, like, r- really needed love, you know, mm-hmm, like, as mm-hmm. this heart type. Yeah, and yeah. this frustration heart type. And so, like... I think some of the ways that I have clung to things and like, you know, when you, Emika, uh, spoke to when someone gets in, I put them, uh, like the leash gets really long. Like I, I reject until the leash, get, like something like that. You said yeah. some kind of thing of like, you, when they get in, you'll tolerate a lot. Uh, I resonate with that because it was like, I perceived that connection and love was like, so not in this universe, mm-hmm. you know, like, and it wasn't that my parents didn't love me or something, but it was like, the rejection quality was so uh, it was so ever present that it, it didn't feel like I could get the 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 heart level for frustration thing I needed. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Yeah, yeah. It's it feels like rejection. The rejection stance inevitably just isolates. Like it feels right. like you can't ever feel part of this person or really be with this person. And like you know, David, you or I don't know if you said that uh, or John, you said that. Uh, the attachment types in this family end up just attaching to that sort of like separateness. And my, I've got a three sister who like everyone sort of has, everyone has this relational dynamic or relational template, even her, like she doesn't talk to anybody in the family Mm -hmm. at this point right now, she is not in communication with anyone in the family. (laughs) (laughs) So, and I think Alexander made a comment about like the relational template that's created with our parents and how that just becomes what we recreate and we're looking for in every relationship after that. Mm-hmm. And, right. you know, even if you're not a rejection type, if you have two rejection parents, I mean, that's just going to be the template that you know. Right. So what does being touched mean as a rejection type? What, like, you know, you said, talk about the fear of being touched. Like, what does that mean? What is that fear experience? And then also, uh, I'm curious about your level of awareness and the cutoff of things, you know, like, like, cause I think that what happens to a lot of rejection types is they cut and they cut and they cut and they kind of just like, it's like uh, having a full pie and then having like a very thin slice to actually be able to stand on. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Because I, I try to explain, I've explained this to you, um, you know, when I was going through a certain event that won't be named. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, of my just experiencing my own 
sort of like self amputation in the moment as mm-hmm. as if it was ha- as if it was happening because it's sort of like a defense mechanism so the way i would describe it is like for me like when i engage with anybody it's sort of like let's come to a negotiation table you have your pieces i have my pieces we are going to put our pieces to the center and we're going to decide mm-hmm. right now what we're both bringing and i'm going to be okay with that you're going to be okay with it this is a good deal cool <laughs> so so that's the dynamic that's the dynamic <laughs> we're gonna have now so what usually happens is people start taking changing the agreement like the, <laughs> and and you know as a hexat type a to really one of the things i told josh is that a to really not happy when you change the agreed mm-hmm. upon you know negotiation i've experienced Whereas that attachment is going to assume there's some wobbliness in the agreement in the first place right and so yeah. it's like there's for me to even engage with you we negotiated a deal uh it, like i bring this you bring this and that's what's going to be so when you start fucking fucking with that like the rejection piece is like all right i have to completely start over i have to completely and so the me that i showed up in this because to me rejection is like i have to i had to delete certain parts of me to make this deal with you mm. uh-huh like I, I, cause it's not you, I mean, there's a, for me, it's like in order to make a certain deal, like you're only, only part of me is going to be here. So if I had to give up or amputate parts of myself to make a deal with you, and now you're fucking with the dynamic. Now it's like, you know, it's like the feeling is like, oh, I'm not even here. Like, it feels like the part of me that I presented is gone and it feels like it feels like parts of me start falling off and, so it's and like the part of you pre- that you presented is your space to be here so when it's changed you don't you're not here anymore you're not here anymore it, it just drops off and uh the way that this i started noticing that for myself is let's say you know we get into a relationship and there was sort of an agreed dynamic that we were that i understood that we had and that dynamic is revealed to be non-existent or it's, it's changed uh I feel myself disappearing from that relationship. I feel like the part of me that could care about this thing is gone. Mm-hmm. It's, it's going. And, it, and it's not like uh, people might hear that and think, oh, you just cut this person off. And it's this thing where I'm just, it feels like uh, when you change the initial negotiation, which to me was already a fucking you know, you're only getting this part of me. And I, I say, all right, this is what I have to give up to be in this dynamic. Mm-hmm. And you start fucking with that. It's like, oh, you didn't even get it. You didn't even see me. You didn't even fucking, it's like this whole thing was this. And so I, I'm trying to describe like uh, this feeling of like, it feels like parts of me are just falling off. Like the part of me that could care, the part of me that could even recognize this thing is important. It's gone. It's, and that's the defense mechanism of rejection like this reflexive disengagement that happens when um and i guess the what's the fear what 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 happens well it it feels like it threatens the whole thing it threatens the whole system because the system is like i'm only part of me gets to be here right what's the system the whole rejection system because it's it's mm. it's, it's set up to maintain that i don't get touched that part of me doesn't get touched or i don't You're even believe yeah, you're only providing this one thing or these small, this small set. Like, and if we're not doing that anymore, then what is this? There, there is nothing. So it's yeah. the rejection system is there to ensure that I don't get touched. Is it, but is, is, is it, is it the system? Is it like 
then I'm obliterated or something. Like when you're talking about the system being like, uh, I don't know how to put this. It's not like contaminated necessarily, but like if you get touched and the system gets fucked with, is it like what's left of me or something? I'm trying to find the right words for what the feeling is. Um, well, I think what it feels like is that in order for me to feel like I exist in something, in a relationship or whatever, uh, these things that I'm bringing, that, that's me. Like, you know, like let's say within the Enneagram world, I bring this, this, and this. I bring typing. I bring these sort of like a, a certain approach to it, and that's me. And if somebody shows up and says, oh, I'm really into this, your thing, and it's like, okay, they're recognizing me as a person. So let's see, let's, let's say that they flip that or they say actually no the thing that i appreciated about you my offering i don't really vibe with that anymore it feels like oh you never even i was never even here we're not even on the same plane that's what it feels like it feels like i have a very limited sense of what my personhood is mm. it's a very limited sense of my what my personhood is and so when uh that is not seen or appreciated or the dynamic is shifted it feels like there was never any relationship or dynamic with my personhood at all so is it like being erased or is it like oh all this was like a fucking lie both mm. <laughs> like i wasn't even there mm. and that you were just the other person was just projecting onto you and that and that like just missing you is that the feeling um, what's the word? This person never even, they never even encountered me. It feels like, mm, like, even, that, you know, like, yeah, they never even encountered me. So like my, my relationship, my parents is like, they're just my, they we're just related. Right. It feels to me like my parents don't have a fucking clue who I am. Not even of, they don't, they don't, it's not even that they don't have an interest in knowing who I am. They don't have the capacity to grasp who I am. That's what it feels like when shit like this happens. Is like you don't even have the capacity to know who, what I am. Like we're not even on the same. We're not even the same species of human. That's what it feels so separate. Like it feels so that's like what, oh, that's where like the rejection, like, like just I can walk away. So like comes from because it never the it never happened. Thing that happened never happened. It never happened. That's what's going on. It's like I'm not cutting you off because I'm I'm having this reaction to something there. It's like. We never even touched each other. Yeah, it's, and it's like a retro amputation. Yes. <laughs> and <laughs> it's hard to... amputation, that's it, good. <laughs> it's, it's hard to convey because I don't think, you know, we, we do hundreds of typings a year and not, we've just started recording the typings this year and, you know, far vast majority, like 80, at least 80% of the people we type are attachment types. And most attachment types have frustration wings or influences. So rejection, like sort of like the heart center being like people don't have a frame of reference for heart center. People don't have a frame of reference for rejection. If you're not, mm -hmm. if you don't have a rejection wing or like a secondary rejection fix, like what I'm talking about might sound like I'm, you know, like you might still not get it. And, but what I'm trying to convey is like, it never happened. We yeah. never even touched each other. You never even fucking got me. <laughs> so, uh, you know, when we did breath work together, Mm -hmm. uh you know you experienced some grief for like a relationship that was like way in the past yeah and you like saw this girl's face in your mind you know this sort of stuff 
And so is it kind of like rejection types have to sort of see how, you know, this retroactive, what was the term we use for retroactive? Amputation. 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 It's like, oh, there's still actually a part of me that's like related or that's actually not amputated or something like that or like there's yeah because it's not real i just want to make that point that this this thing that i'm describing it's not like obviously there was me i was there and my parents do see a part of me but it's Mm -hmm. like it feels this is what it feels like to me right yeah um it's not like of course so it's it's like i'm pushing away from the parts of me that were actually seen or uh, touched um by doing this so it's like recovering these like fragmented cut off pieces in a certain way is like what what needs to happen to not get stuck on that little sliver of an island of self, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, I wanted to say like when you say the word feels even like this was a feels like you're I, I'm assuming you don't you're not talking about emotion. You're no. not saying uh, talking about some bad feeling no, no. that you had. It's it's you you mean it almost in the in the body sense. Yeah, yeah. Of of what this feels like at a at a body center level as an experience. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah just it just like a, a reflexive amputation that's happening on micro levels, and and right. I've heard some rejection types even describe like. Maybe it doesn't mean necessarily you cut this person off, but you maybe you're still engaging with them. But it's like this part of this part of me that was engaging with you is not available anymore. Mm-hmm. Like it's 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 not available to you anymore, and it never will be. It's like maybe certain aspects of the dynamic um, rejection types are doing micro disengagements from you know people, so they might still remain connected. But it's like you're not even touch. You're not ever going to be able to touch that part of that person again because it's gone. So what does this like micro disengagement look like from the ones of two? Because like it's pretty obvious in eight and five to me. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'll give you an example because my mom alienates a lot of people, and my mom is like typical too. She's got, I think, assertive fixes seven and eight. Um, so she she's very penetrating. She wants to find ways that she can be of service to people and and help people, but. Um, what happens is when people don't, those that she's helping don't comply with her vision of what she believes they should do, or they start doing their own thing, she gets really nasty. Like she can get really mean mm-hmm. uh, in terms of when things aren't going her way and people aren't complying with her care project for them. I've seen her do some fucking like really yeah. mean shit just to just... care project. <laughs> it's like you're part of my care project now, and if you don't comply with my wishes, like now how she, now how she pulls the rug from underneath people. Yeah, and this is why uh, I'm the only one who talks to her at this point uh, of all the kids because she does these things that are come out of nowhere where it's like I didn't want you there, I didn't want you to make this decision for me, and so she ends up alienating people because. She'll retaliate. What was your original question? I fucking forgot. Uh, How does it look for two? The, the micro disengagement. Okay, so the macro disengagement is that is that when people don't comply, she just drops drops them, and it just it seems really cruel uh, for such a helpful person. How vindictive it can feel like when she, you know, she's helping somebody and then they don't comply, and she just pulls the rug from the whole thing. But but two, it's like I guess the way I look at it is I don't really know my mother Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. i don't 
you know, like it's just a one way kind of relationship. And it's, it's hard to describe. Well, because I just see it as a flip side of what my dad is doing. It's like, I don't, he's got a wall up and I don't know things about him, but I was like, ah, you know what? I have the same thing with my mom. I don't know what she's done. Like, I, like we don't really connect if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. the, it seems like the opposite pole of uh, having leverage is not showing vulnerabilities and not, which is not showing your humanness. It's, it's just, all three types. It's, it's not a two way street. That's really what I've been yeah. trying to understand about my family is that there's no two way street dynamics with or togetherness with any of anybody. It's only a one, everyone is angling for a one way dynamic, which is not connection at all. Right. So if my mom isn't, attempting to help or find out information about what I'm up to gossip or whatever else. Like there's no, there's, I don't have a dynamic with her. So she only, my mom, I mean, I'll show up to the house and I'll say hello. And my, both my parents are can still continue to do what the fuck they're doing. I'm, I'm just, you know, sitting there. <laughs> yeah, that's my parents too. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. So this might get at it, like, uh, in terms of maybe micro disengagement. I'm not sure, but this came up, um, you know, in Seattle where my grandma's like 90 something and just like super old and a nine. And, uh, my mom was commenting on, you know, like we'd go over to, to my grandma, try to help her out and bring her to doctor's appointments and stuff like this. And um, my mom was commenting on, you know, that my grandma being so old and being not able to move very much, how small her world's gotten. And so she mm. gave the example that my grandma won't let anybody else run the dishwasher. <laughs> you know, it's like this control, this is like my turf kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And my mom said something like, my, my mom made a joke like, you know, if I ever get like that, just put me down or something like that. <laughs> and then uh, I said, my mom is an amazing cook. And mm -hmm. I, I remember when I was getting with Alexandra and um, I saw some meme about uh, like a romantic partner who's like not white getting going to a white family's house and having mm -hmm. to eat. Their shitty food <laughs> with and, unseasoned, <laughs> unseasoned chicken, unseasoned yeah. food, and I was like, you know, I was like, I remember being like, oh, well, my mom is a great cook, so I'm like relieved, and you know, like whatever, so you know, so my mom, my mom made this big deal of getting this like very special, specialized oven, like oh. like a whole thing, like I don't like it's oven stove thing, it's like French and all, I mean, it was like a huge, <laughs> multi year acquisition thing. I don't understand it. <laughs> It's like a five, it's like a two's version of a five's laboratory. Oh yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. And self pressed too. And um, you know, my mom says like, if I ever get obsessed with something like a dishwasher, like put me down. And I said, I said, of course. I said, and then I, I said something like, uh, yes, mama, your uh, stove is really beautiful. You know, like, <laughs> like you know, it's like in the same vein, right? Like, we should have put you down a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> and my mom got like, immediately offended and like did not see the joke. Oh, like she didn't see the humor or something. Right, right. And I like I, you know, I apologize, like try to explain like and but she like got like a, it was and I thought like, I don't know if that's a, like a micro disengagement or something. But there was something in there that I thought was really interesting where it was like maybe like I was like palling around with her on a certain like same plane wavelength or something. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. I don't know what it was, but I, it was like I was getting too close to her. Mm -hmm. things she cared about or things mm -hmm. she might be insecure about i don't know but it was like no I that's something that, or kind of like you're saying like it's like you were doing sort of a peer-to-peer -peer 
connection. Maybe yeah. so, yeah. Something. And humor is like, a, my dad's a cartoonist. Like, it's a big part of my family. And so, uh, you know, I thought it was like, it wasn't like my family's just this like, like that's basically when my family's together, that's the only way we connect is just making jokes and making fun of each other. And so yeah. like, did that, I don't know, I thought that was a super interesting place of disconnect. Yeah, you know, there's something there uh, with, I'm just trying to think of like, at times when my mom has gotten mad at me and well, I like all, I'm just thinking about how all the rejection types have like a very specific kind of dynamic that they expect to have with people that just mm-hmm. sort of certain parts of them that you're not allowed to touch. And I remember there was one time she was, my mom was a long time ago telling me about some sort of disagreement that she was having with my dad. And I think I, I responded that it was her fault or something like that. And she <laughs> flipped out. Wrong answer. Because <laughs> she was coming to me for support or something like that. Uh, but she got more mad than I've, uh, I've seen her because I mean, I, maybe she was offering something that was vulnerable to me and maybe she thought I would, you know, be support. And I just said, you know, I think you're in the wrong here. And, and she f- flipped out. But I, I see in ways that my mom doesn't have a lot of friends or I, she seems pretty isolated for someone who's so interpersonal because this sort of shit happens a lot. Like people might veer off, veer into certain areas where she is not comfortable in, uh, engaging with. And she will drop that, that connection or disengage that part of herself from being, being able to be engaged with, with that person. Um, so I see that my mom does like disengage quite a lot. Like for example, if she's going to a thing and she brought some food and the person doesn't thank her, it's like, well, I'm never bringing food to that person again. (laughs) (laughs) I've I've heard her say this multiple times. (laughs) I remember like one time I was, uh, not invited to a wedding of a family friend and I told her about it and she was like, you know, it was just like a rejection conversation that we had where it's like, why would you ever go to a thing that this person ever did if, if you weren't invited? Why, you know, cause mm-hmm. she were like, you know, why would you show up to a wedding that you weren't invited to? It's like a very, if you don't comply with a certain expected dynamic that we have, I'm just completely disengaging from you. Like that was reinforced over and over again within my family. Mm-hmm. I was really close to, um, a two who worked with people and like, I was, you know, I, I was like, training she trains people and stuff and part of what i saw a pattern with her was that she'd train people and like really be able to imbue really powerful skills in people like really develop them but then she had a really really difficult time when they were when when, you know like inevitably a student becomes like a peer uh if you're a good teacher right like if you're teaching well then people learn from you and they learn what they can learn and they they get at your level or close or you know whatever but she had a really hard time with that and when it was that level of of we're on the same page or same platform or something it was like she didn't know how to uh maintain a relationship on that level and needed to kind of keep people under her wing in a certain way Mm -hmm. It was like, I guess, really scary and threatening and would happen over and over and over again. It would just sabotage these relationships that when people got close with her, it, w- it would just get weirdly overly personal in like a weird, complicated way. And I don't know how to better describe it, but it was like, it's like kind of, I can be an angel, but I can't be a human kind of a deal. Anyway, I don't know if that even actually relates to what Emeka was just saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I just thought it say- was, and then I thought about it for a second. I'm like, maybe I just went off my own thing. <laughs> 
I was going to mention, I don't know if this is related to anything either. Um, uh, back in my teen years and early mid twenties, I had a sexual self pres two friend, two, seven, eight, two of the three wing, really interesting, strange guy. Um, but he's one of my favorite people, just in case you think I, all those people out there think I don't like twos. He was actually one of my favorite friends, but he couldn't really get a good read on what I needed. And so I was often having to go back to him because he wasn't finding, you know, the thing that he could be doing for me on a regular basis. The one thing was just drugs. He was a, he was a a drug specialist (laughs) as far as like just having an assortment and he'd always have the best quality Oh, stuff of all kinds of things. I've been on mute this whole time. I was You've talking. Been on mute. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've been on mute. Yeah, I was wondering. I, I I had a whole point. You guys like just started talking over me. I was like, wait. Yeah. yeah. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. No, it was just. Uh, I don't know that there was much more to that. It's just that <clears throat> furthering that point of uh, twos have a a certain you know thing that they're bringing, and if and if they can't uh, figure out how you fit with that, they, they, you know, they can just kind of cut off. And okay, it, yeah. this is what I was saying that while I was muted. <laughs> uh, I was saying that, that there, I think there is a way that all the rejection types are attached to having a controlled parental dynamic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I, even I was like, does that apply to five? I was like, you know what? It does, because it's like they're saying... I'm going to offer this abstract, you know, symbol that we can then connect to. There's a lot of control mm-hmm. in that. And I was going to, I was mentioning how even like, you know, there's should be some kind of like, John, you were speaking to like, if a teacher, if you're teaching someone at some point, they become your peer. Like, so if you're a parent, at some point, your kids become adults and you have mm-hmm. to relate to them as peers on some level. Um and see them as adults. And what's the issue that's happened with my parents is that that's, that transition has never seemed to take place. And mm-hmm. there was an incident recently where, you know, both of my parents showed up unannounced to my sister's place uh, and was banging on the door. And my sister was so upset about that because it's just like a, such a breach, it's such a disrespectful thing to do in another adult. Like, and so there's this sense of like, my parents still act like, um, parents. yeah, like, like, like parents when we're all like full grown people with our own plans and shit to do and everything. So, uh, that there's a very limited way the rejection types feel comfortable engaging with other people. And these parental dynamics are there to maintain, like, you know, only half of me gets to be here and I can only engage with you in this sort of like leveraged withholding yeah. sort of dynamic. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, that's a really good point. And, and, you know, one of the things I always try to underscore for five that, like, is, seems to be like a gap in people's understanding of five is that how fucking controlling fives are. Yeah, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. that was another thing I, I, yeah. um, I try to emphasize, like, when I talk, described avarice in my book. But, like, what I noticed about fives, and it's a it's different flavor than nine, but, like, um, when you talk or get into a topic that the five is not interested in, they just cut the fuck off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, totally. they, they don't like nine will maybe like check out, but they might engage in like this empty, like, yeah, that's nice. Whatever, yeah. you know, head nodding. Yeah. <laughs> but the five will just, uh, just either completely shut down or just steer it in a direction that they think they totally. care about. Mm-hmm. 
And it's just like it's this like line eight control thing where you know, uh the stinginess is like I won't go where I don't want to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's and, uh it's reminding me of that I think we brought it up in one of the DAAs. Uh somebody on the old Riso Hudson board used to call two five eight power types. Yeah. I mean, it's another way to say what we've been talking about leverage and that kind of thing Control. yeah and it, and it's clear to see in five but i'm i'm just realizing how two and eight are doing the same thing like the control of eight is not it's not coming from the place of i'm going to tell you what to do like what the control is coming from there's only a one way that we can engage and if we're not engaging in that way then there is no engagement so it's it's a it creates a separateness that like I'm only here if this sort of engagement, this limited uh, engagement is here, or is is once that's removed, it's like we don't have a relationship. So that's where the control is coming from. And and with the eight, is like I want to have this sort of like a indispensable impact, where my existence uh, is like the sun for your universe. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not like I'm exerting this much energy to, to, to take up all this space in your psychological space. It's like I'm having inherently a very high leverage impact on you that uh, sort of allows me to feel like, you know, under pressure, whatever happens, I have an indispensable place in your life. And uh, if that's not there, then there's really no relationship. And I think with all the instincts, you know, eights are looking for this indispensable leverage point where it's like I can sit back and the, my needs can be met. Well, Emika, you're indispensable to David and I. <laughs> Especially with your sexual instincts. <laughs> Hang on, Alexander just got home and I'm going to uh, smother her and then I'll be right back. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I was just hoping that, you know, I can help people understand rejection more because I don't think there are a lot of people, don't, they don't have a rejection wing or a rejection fix. Like, this might seem like some the, foreign language. The thing you know? about all of this stuff is it stays a foreign language until people have actual interactions and relationships with mm -hmm. twos, fives, and eights. I yes. Mean, ha this has to be experienced or it's just, it, it's not going to impact until yeah. that. It, there's nothing, there's no, there aren't words to describe you know, this. Yeah. Like I didn't, I had to date certain types to even really get it. Right. Like I didn't really understand what, I mean, knowing attachments to disconnect on an abstract level, that helps, but I had to experience it over and over and over again. But like, okay, that's mm -hmm. what that is. Or, you know, like people yeah. experiencing the, what, what the control of eight really is, what that really feels like to be on a receiving end of a two, five or eight. You know, like when you hear the word control, people might think, oh, this person's telling me what to do or where they imagine that their boss who is demanding appreciations and aids. Like, no, <laughs> that's not what rejection types are doing. That's right. Rejection types are like the thing where you might feel with an eight is that it's like, I don't know how to get to this guy. I don't know. I don't like I don't feel connected to this person. And part of what the eight is doing is like the vulnerability is that um, I don't want anyone to have leverage on me. So. I don't want anyone or this person to think that they have any, mm -hmm. they have any way to get to me. Right. So, so the defense mechanism becomes that if things aren't going well, every part of me that you thought mattered is gone. <laughs> yeah. That's why I like the metaphor of armor. For yeah, eight. yeah. It's like not, you're not penetrating. You're not touching me. And, yeah. you know, just 
oh, you know, there was a, I don't know if this is a real story. It sounds like it was a real story. I don't know where I heard it, but this, this guy who's like a cartel uh, person and uh, his enemies had found his family and he, um, he knew that they were going to come after him. And so in order to prevent them coming after his family, I think he killed his family himself. Yeah. And so I thought that it was a good metaphor for what yeah. the rejection types are doing that's is it. that that's the extreme. Yeah. It's like, I'm not, I'm not going to let you have any leverage on me. I know that, you know, right. this part of me you think is how you're going to get to me. I'm just going to cut it off. I don't actually care about that part. Maybe I cared about it, but I completely forgotten that why I even gave a shit about that. Mm. So in the end, it's like, you don't have any targets to come after. <laughs> <laughs> that's hardcore <laughs> <laughs> and i see that i was i was seeing how i was doing it on a micro level in relationships i mean sure. i've had conversations with you john about this mm. where it's like maybe we started off in a relationship and this was the dynamic and people start playing games in relationships where they start taking things away you know sort of get a reaction from their partner and i didn't i started you know to step back and to see what i was doing is that if you take something off the chessboard or off the board that we had, all, we had initially agreed upon, my innate reaction to that is I never cared about it. Right. I never cared about it. Yeah. And that, so you can see how that can keep going. Right. That, that sort of reaction can keep exponentially doubling on itself until there's nothing left. This yep. is, uh, I'm trying to think, because I, I definitely see this in eight, and I'm seeing it in two in a different way. Yeah. But you know, like twos will kind of rewrite like a relationship that they got burned by. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but with five, let's see, like there's there's certain something obvious about it, but there's something more subtle that I'm trying to get at. Like, I feel like Jesse's uh, interview was really good for illuminating some of what you're trying to get at because mm-hmm. you know there was this thing that she was trying to describe of how she would offer an abstract an abstraction or an object that her and someone else could connect oh, yeah. through yeah. and but it's the expectation that it's never it's probably not going to happen and um and yeah, so it's like talking about like offering an intellectual object yes and so it's mm-hmm. not her kind it's of, not so her it's cut off so the five thing is like it's already it's never i'm never on the board <laughs> yeah right. Right. <laughs> but it's still like a, there's a you know, disappointment where it's like, well, if you're, if you can't see or recognize, I think one thing she really spoke to is like, oh, if, if this person doesn't get it, it's like, oh, so it's expected, but it's so disappointing. And, and that's, it's like, that's gone now. Like that's mm-hmm. never going to be a portal that we can connect through. And so, but it's the, if from the assumption that I'm not even on the board, it's like, you can't even, there's no me here to be touched. It's yeah, I, I relate a lot, but it's like there's still some me on the board, you know, like yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, if I'm presenting an idea, I am often presenting it like it's just an idea, but there's like some me in there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I feel like let's see, attachment has the most hope. <laughs> yes, you know, sure. like oh, if, if this just happens and we adapt, we'll just right. we'll meet each other and it'll all work out. Right, and then right. frustration has medium hope, where right. it's like. No, 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 but maybe here. Maybe here, yeah, yeah. <laughs> rejection. And, then, and rejection is not hopeless, but their hope is much, uh, it's like pretty buried, you know? Yeah. 
And <laughs> yeah, it's, that's interesting. Cause that would be a, a hope is an extreme vulnerability. Extreme. Mm, yeah. 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 And that's the vulnerability piece. I think circling back to the question you asked uh, about like what, what as a rejection type I'm protecting from, and is this vulnerability of, um, you know, like there's the heart space, the idea that I could open myself up to the possibility that someone could really actually see and appreciate me to see my full personhood. Mm -hmm. It's so far away from what I think reality is. And to even open myself up to that is the greatest vulnerability I could ever expose myself to. So you can only imagine the sort of pain of getting a glimpse of that experience or hope and to realize that it never, it was never there. It's mm -hmm. like, oh, that's really uh, disappointment. Disappointing is not a good enough word to get at what that feels like. Cause it's like, I already know this is not supposed, it's, this is not out there. It's, it doesn't exist. And you had me believing that you did, but you never did. You know, that, that feeling of, yeah, that, that, that's the rejection thing. It's like mm -hmm. that you could even touch me is something that I, I wouldn't expect in my life. So I allowed you to touch me and, you know, it wasn't genuine or whatever. It's like, fuck. Right. So how do you, like, what's the, <clears throat> what's the way to like work with this or like? Mm, I mean, for, for me, it's, I look at the blind spot and I look at the heart center. Like I look at the combination of my blind spots and see that, that in order to continue this half a personhood withholding leverage thing that I'm doing, I basically have to continuously push away from uh, my heart's my heart and the idea that I could be appreciated or loved for who I am. And you, know, you bring in the social instinct in there, like, Mm -hmm. Like my personhood being appreciated right. versus like what the function mm -hmm. that I represent in mm -hmm. people's lives. Cause you know, it just feels like the idea that, that it's not just a negotiation that I'm, I'm actually appreciated for my existence, not my functioning. <laughs> right. The only reason I've softened up, my type structure has softened up in the last five, 10 years or whatever it's been is because I've been the social instinct is because I've been seeing my personhood just seeing my personhood and allowing myself to be touched, allowing myself to be loved and, 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 and to love. And that, that shit has cracked me open. Um, mm -hmm. Just, you know, being, yeah, being able to, to allow myself to get into my heart and express how I feel. It's the most vulnerable thing I've ever done. And, you know, it's, I think it's relaxed a little bit, the whole sort of like uh, rejection separate thing. And I, I think that's, Great. And I think that, you know, like when, when trap that, you know, we've been spending a lot of energy, I think on twos just because they, it looks contradictory to say that twos, this relational connecting type is actually very disconnected. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, I think like twos can experience themselves as very sensitive and emotional, but often they're, the way they're accessing their emotional center is not it's not being touched in a certain yes. way. Yes, mm -hmm. right. It's still it's it's like when you know that like it's not level playing field kind of thing. And so sometimes their emotionality, you know, it's like we all all image types can struggle with a real heart versus like the artificial right. heart or the fake mm -hmm. heart or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's like there's a difference between their real heart and fake heart. So yeah, 
Uh, it's just, it's like, is the heart actually being touched or is it like a reaction? Yeah. Or, or it's, um, sometimes it's like theatrical or histrionic with histrionic is the word. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cause I, I, I made a distinction, maybe not on this pod, but that there's a difference between emotionality and heart. Definitely. You know, that, you you know, some types, especially like two can really whip up a lot of emotion, emotionality. Right. Uh, you know, even my mom who might Mm -hmm. really seem caring because the emotional juice is there, but like really having your heart behind someone, um, that's a completely different thing in my experience. And I think that's what can, uh, really be what people can dislike about too sometimes, because you can get hooked by the emotional hooks that they've created. And maybe you realize like, you know, there's an agenda and, and you know, this person's heart wasn't really with me like that. And because it's a heart space, people get really upset. Yes. Yeah. Swindled, you know, like the three is doing a three version of like swindling people with, with heart energy. I think, you know, twos can get in trouble with that because they really do penetrate (laughs) places that people care about. All right. Well, feels good there. I, yeah, I'd be like to hear Courtney's thoughts on this. Yeah. Yeah. Courtney, can you hear us? Courtney, <laughs> sending signals. Yes. I'm glad I met her. She was she's pretty cool. Totally. Kept yeah, me. that was great that y'all got to all you know, get to assemble. All right, right, guys. This is that was a good one. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was good. <laughs> that was interesting. We'll see if people uh, get it or not. <clears throat> yeah, probably not. <laughs> probably not. Because <laughs> we're all social planning. We don't know how to That's communicate. It. Right. Exactly. Yeah. All right. All right, guys. Okay. Later, y'all. Bye.